You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. I'm such an Alana Rizzo fan, incredibly talented. I don't know how many Emmys she has. It's probably 152. It, it's a lot of them. Uh, formerly covered the Dodgers, where I knew her in Los Angeles, now at MLB Network, and graciously joining us here on the show. Alana, good morning. Good morning. It's only seven, Bill. It's only, only seven. seven? Fifty-two, but I do appreciate uh, you inflating my numbers there. Thank you. I have an Emmy shelf, but it's empty, so I'm still I'm still waiting. Alana, where where are they? Where do you do? You, do you have them out so when people come over, uh, they're out there. You know, I do now. Finally, it took me a long time to get to the point where I was in one place long enough to be able to actually display them. They're not in plain sight. I mean, you'd have to probably be a guest in our home to walk past them because they're just by they're in a display case, like in a a nook, if you will, um, by our guest bedroom. So it's not like I shove them in your face, like right as you walk in the door. But um, if you happen to be upstairs and you you take a right, you'll be able to see those, yes. None of my friends in L.A. follow my career. I might just get, like, 11 fake Emmys, put some in the bathroom, put some in the fridge, and just fake it. Just see what happens socially, Alana. Alana Rizzo, who doesn't have to fake it, here on the show. All right, so so obviously a, a historical night for Aaron Judge, for the Yankees last night. Let's just start here, Alana, for, for you – I started the show just saying how much I wanted to connect with that race, but how difficult I found it to do for, for a lot of reasons, in large part because I was so emotionally invested as a Cubs fan in the Sosa McGuire race that obviously we see very differently today. For, for you, were you able to, to feel a sense of history and joy when Aaron Judge hit, hit 62 last night? Oh, my gosh. I absolutely did. I was so excited for him. I mean, I think you could just see the weight lifted off of him when he was rounding the bases, and he held – himself with such great composure and class and professionalism and poise, but you know that it had to be weighing on him so heavily. And I really did not think he was going to hit 61 or 62 in the Bronx. And in fact, he did not. I think there was just, of course, when you play in New York, as you know, it comes with a certain set of responsibility and a certain sense of pressure. They're used to dealing with that. But this type of pressure was even more, I think, than he had even imagined. And to be able to finally get that off of his back and you saw the look that he gave his mom and dad and the fact that he was able to achieve this um, and didn't have to worry about it anymore. And I, I, you know, collectively, I think, along with baseball uh, fans across America, across the world, collectively exhaled when he was able to do it because, Obviously, there is debate about what the real single-season home run record is, but there is no debate that Aaron Judge had one of the most incredible seasons of all time in the history of our sport. So good for him. Congratulations. And and this is another guy who bet on himself, did not take the offer that the Yankees presented him earlier in the season, said, you know what, I'm more valuable than than what they gave him at the time. And now he can pretty uh, pretty much uh, write his his ticket in terms of, of being given a blank check. Alana Rizzo, if you entered that debate on what the actual home run record is, where would you lean in that conversation? I've had this conversation quite a bit recently, as you might imagine. And I do think what we need to do is acknowledge the fact that in a period of time in our sport, it was the steroid era. I do think that the records in that era should be maintained, should be recognized. But also we need to understand there is a steroid era record 
And there is also a non-steroid era record. I do believe in the records that Barry Bonds had, that um, McGuire had, that Sosa had, because they actually did achieve those things. But we know that they had performance-enhancing assistance to do so. I do believe that if you're going to get rid of those records and say that that did not happen with McGuire, with Bonds, with Sosa, then you must also vacate any titles in terms of World Series titles in that same period of time. You can't have it both ways. Baseball was rejuvenated because of the long ball. It was rejuvenated and some may say even saved the sport that they were hitting balls out of the park every single day at a, at a rocket pace and at an alarming rate. You can't say, okay, we're going to allow you to do that to save our sport and to have interest in our sport again, but then slap them on the wrist when it doesn't serve you anymore. You can't have it both ways. So if you're going to take away their records, then you must also vacate any sort of championship or title because everybody was exposed to it. And I'm not saying everybody used, but they had the opportunity to do so because they did not start testing until I believe 2004. So anything up until that point, at least rigorous testing up until that point. So anything up until that point, either all of it has to be vacated or you have to acknowledge all of it collectively and just understand they're in different eras of our sport. I think that Aaron Judge truly is the single season record in terms of American League home run king. I really wish we had enough time left in this year for him to hit 11 more and put this whole thing to bed. But we don't. So I do recognize the records that were set before, but understand we need to compartmentalize them, in my opinion, to acknowledge that this was a different era in our sport. Talking to Alana Rizzo here on CBS Sports Radio, I'm Bill Ryder. Alana, you mentioned the fact that that Judge did not do that in the Bronx. There's also a question of whether he'll be in the Bronx next year. It is a contract year for him. What do you think becomes of, of Aaron Judge in terms of where he's playing baseball next season? Well, I think he will be in the Bronx because I think the Bronx will burn down if he's not. I think the Yankees would absolutely be um, insane to not sign him. Everything that happens in the Yankee organization right now, in my opinion, goes through number 99. And why would you not want to sign one of the game's greatest players in a park that benefits him and a guy that does everything right? You don't hear anything negative about the way that Aaron Judge carries himself ever there are no off the field issues there are I mean he posts every single day he's a class act he gets it he understands he he engages with the fans he does what he's supposed to do in the community Uh, and by the way he's a hell of a very good baseball player so the Yankees have the money there's no reason that they should not sign Aaron Judge to a long-term deal. My only thing is, obviously, I, I want to say that he's 30 years of age. So he's entering his age 31 season. So there was a question, and I think you and I discussed it before, is would it make sense for Juan Soto to have gone to New York at, you know, when, he was, when Washington was interested in trading him because he's a younger guy? But you can't tell me that Aaron Judge is not a valuable player and that you don't want him on your team you know, going forward for the remainder of his career. If I'm the New York Yankees, I'm signing Aaron Judge basically to whatever the heck he wants because it will repay you tenfold. Um, and I can't imagine what the, the Yankee fans would do, if they, especially after this season. Uh, I can't imagine what the Yankee fan would do if they let him go. 
a lot of I'm based in L.A., but CBS Sports Radio is headquartered in New York City. And there are a lot of very, very, very sad Mets fans who are just moping around the office and sometimes on, on the show did not have the series they wanted against the Braves, to say the least. Is there any level of hope that you would offer to to Mets fans as they begin very soon what will be a, a playoff run that is not exactly the, the way they want it to go, or at least start. Let me tell you, I've had Met fans that are friends of mine tell me when I asked how they were doing, in all sincerity, I said, are you okay? You know, I mean, these are people that are on the edge of uh, their buildings at this point. <laughs> and I said, you know, what can I do for you? And one of my Met fan friends said, burn down City Field. They are furious. And this, you have to think about the fact that the Atlanta Braves, and give credit to the Braves, it's not as if the Mets necessarily collapsed. Atlanta's a better team. I mean, you might argue that the pitching favors the Mets, but Atlanta just beat DeGrom and Scherzer. It wasn't like Atlanta just beat Bassett, uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco, and Taiwan Walker. They beat arguably two of the best pitchers in the game. You think about the fact that Atlanta – was only in first place eight days this year. They had a ten and a half game deficit, I believe, in the National League East, and they were able to overcome that. We didn't talk enough about what the Atlanta Braves were doing. We were constantly, myself included, all over the New York Mets, talking about DeGrom, talking about Scherzer, talking about that potent offense, talking about the fact that Lindor seemed to finally start getting things going there as a member of the Mets versus a member of the, at the time, Indians. You think about the fact that I was all over Edwin Diaz and loved the entrance music and met this, met that. Buck Showalter, arguably the best signing that they had in the offseason. I still believe in the Mets, but my goodness, now you have to play in the wild card and you have to move throughout a very difficult path, whereas you could have had uh, an opportunity that was a lot easier. And now, obviously, everything is set in terms of the postseason picture, and it just got a lot harder. It got a lot harder for the Mets, and it didn't need to be that way. It didn't need to be that way. And this is why we always go back to, you know, the, that old adage that you can't win the pennant in April, but you can lose it. I mean, it comes down to one or two games every single year. And the same thing with the Brewers and the Phillies. You know, the Phillies – played just a little bit better than the Brewers did. They were both about 500. You know, the Padres and the Phillies played just a little bit better than the Brewers did. And now the Brewers, for the first time in five years, aren't in the postseason. Alana Rizzo here on the show. Uh, despite losing their, I think it's last three games, the Dodgers still have an insane 110 win mark right now, and they can obviously get to to 111. And I think their, their run differential is something like plus 330. I looked at it this morning, and just it jumped off the screen. That's a lot of expectation. It's obviously a very good baseball team. How difficult is the road for the Dodgers to live up to the expectations that come with that kind of a season, regular season? And, and who are the biggest threats, you think, on, on the way to that goal? I think that it, the Dodgers and the Yankees are in the exact same position. If you don't win the World Series, your seed, and the, the Astros could also be put into this category as well. If you don't win the World Series, your season was a disappointment. I mean, the Dodgers are expected to win the NL West. The Dodgers are expected to go to the World Series. Same thing with the New York Yankees. Same thing with the Houston Astros. They're expected to win their respected divisions. So it's basically just the first step 
of what uh, is an expectation of going all the way every single year. I don't think we're paying enough attention to what Julio Urias is doing with the Dodgers. He's going to be, if I'm not mistaken, the first Mexican-born pitcher to win an ERA title in the National League. Um, But I do think this is the first year since I've been closely following the Dodgers that I am a little concerned about their pitching. Um, I just, you know, you don't have – Clayton Kershaw from four years ago. You don't have Walker Bueller at all. I think Tony Gonsolin is a solid piece. Dustin May is a solid piece. We're not giving Tyler Anderson enough attention, but it's a long road for these guys. And I do, I am a little bit concerned about, you know, how the pitching is going to stack up. We talked about Jacob DeGrom. We talked about Max Scherzer, but I don't know that we're talking enough about the Braves pitching. I mean, you have, Charlie Morton, you have Kyle Wright, who was the first 20-game winner. You have, you know, Bryce Elder, who's a rookie, who, you know, almost had a no-hitter the other day. I mean, these are these are solid names that can get the job done. And now, it's an, you know, we have, we're all set as far as, as the postseason opponents are concerned. So my biggest, I think the biggest hurdle for the Dodgers are the Braves, again. I think the biggest hurdle um, for anybody else I think is the Astros. I think the Astros are better than the Yankees. And I, I'm not so sure who's going to make it in the NL, but I do think the Astros go back to the World Series. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if it was Astros-Braves again. That I mean, those are two really good baseball teams. Alana Rizzo here on the show. Watch her on MLB Network. I'll follow her on Twitter at Alana Rizzo. Seven Emmys, not 331. Uh, but it's a lot and well deserved. Alana, I, I love having you on the show. That was so great. Thank you for thanks for being on. You know, it's my pleasure. Anytime you need me, take care. Thank you, Alana. Alana Rizzo on the show, and she's good. That's a that is a very talented baseball reporter. I'm a, I'm a fan, Cell. She's also good people. I like her a lot. Another one of our guests that are way nicer to me than they need to be. Really funny that she, I mean, she. <laughs> her friends want her to burn down City Field, her Mets fans. It's ugly here, Bill. It is ugly here in New York. Mets fans are depressed. They're angry. Like, I don't know what's going to happen if they're an early exit from the playoffs. I mean, it is a bit of a coin flip now, but if you can win a short series, it does create, the, I think, the possibility of real momentum. You know what also creates momentum for this show? Diesel. When he puts together buy or sell with a whole bunch of random topics of sports and a take on each one, including a young French dude who might be the future of the sport in the NBA. That's next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Remember, you can listen to the show. You can listen to the podcast. You can get all kinds of great content on the free Odyssey app. Tisa, how you doing, buddy? How's life, man? It's hump day. You know I'm doing great. Um, did you ever utilize the great advice, the the loving advice of friendship and, and, and support that, that Bogus and I gave you to talk to your wife about some new boundaries? You know, maybe like some weekends for, for D-Cell. Yeah, yeah. I know that came from a very sincere place from the two of you. I appreciate that advice. Mm-hmm. However, I did not present that to my wife. I I decided not to go there. Maybe Maybe down the road. Maybe later. Some people don't do as well with those conversations as others. Would you like Andrew and I to put together an audio clip that you can send her? Like Ooh, a, like a, like a love No, gram? I think that would go even worse than if I tried to present it to her myself. 
So she listens to the show in the summers when she's when she's got more time on her hands. That's correct. She is a school teacher. She is listening throughout the summertime. Bogish. I know it's a long ways away, but I'm I'm committed to Cell and I'm willing to remember. Should we just circle back to this in June when Mrs. Cell is listening? No, I kind of really like the idea of you and I recording the message and somehow getting it to her on Tom's behalf. We could just cut him out of this. Um, either you know, text her Fair. with the voice, the voice, you know, the file, or email it to her, or post it to her Facebook page. There are other ways to get this to her without Tom bringing it and hitting play. Okay, I I would imagine maybe someone in HR has contact information. I think there's got to be a way. I googled Mrs. D cell, but I didn't. The things I saw weren't. I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't what we were looking for. I'm gonna leave that one alone. Okay. Um. Mr. Diesel, that's you, Tom. Let's do buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Bill, let's start it where we always do by talking some NFL. The Steelers made it official yesterday, moving Kenny Pickett on their depth chart to the number one quarterback. He'll take over for Mitch Trubisky. However, Bill, Pickett won't have it easy as Pittsburgh's upcoming schedule looks like this. At Buffalo, home against Tampa Bay, at Miami, and then at Philadelphia. Buy or sell now was the right time to name rookie Kenny Pickett as the starter in Pittsburgh. That is a that is a brutal, brutal stretch. They could lose every one of those games. Three of those games are on the road, right? Three of those games are, are on the road. They are hosting Tampa Bay. I think the real I mean, question is, will they be competitive in any of yeah, them? Yeah. I'm going to – look, I'm not sure this is right, and I don't know where Bogus going. I'm going to buy because I'm just going to give buy. Mike Tomlin the benefit of the doubt. We do all, I do all this draft analysis in the, you know, the NBA draft, which, can I be honest with you, I think it's stupid a lot of the times because every single colleague – at CBS Sports HQ, it's like, this is the best draft pick ever. Like, every pick of every draft is the right pick. I think the best way to, to sometimes to evaluate draft picks or these sort of decisions is, is not what you think you know, but who's actually making the decision and what their track record is. All air on the side of thinking Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing. I think this came up when we were talking about the Seahawks preseason. Good, very good NFL head coaches usually don't have terrible seasons. They might have bad seasons. Yep. But those guys who are Hall of Famers, they don't they don't have three and four three and thirteen on their resume. So I kinda wanna believe you with this on Tomlin, but man, they are bad. Here's, here's, Has he ever had a losing he's never had a losing season, never. right? No, never he's had a five hundred season, right? But never a losing season. Here's the follow up to this question. Is this more about how bad Trubisky's been rather than Kenny Pickett is ready? I hope it's about both. Right, like I, it's certainly about how bad. And I know Tomlin's been saying Trubisky all week is. we needed a spark. We're looking for a spark. We needed that spark. Like I, I'm kind of fearful he just got tired of watching Mitch Trubisky. I mean, he can't say we need a guy who doesn't suck at football. <laughs> and I like Mitch. Mitch is such a good guy. I would appreciate that though. It's I'm a good guy. I suck at football. I mean, this you know it happens. They're all bad. That's the problem. Is Pickett the problem? And the other thing is, you, you can ruin a quarterback just throwing him in regardless of who you play. That stretch of games is 
Are those the four best defenses in the National Football League? Bills. They might be. Bucks. Dolphins. Eagles. Yeah, close I enough. Think the, close. the kid's going to struggle. Like, it's not going to be a surprise when he goes 0-4 and throws seven or eight picks. He threw three picks in one half against the Jets. Now, yeah, I think one he, was off a guy's hand. So, I mean, like, still. Yeah, because they're not good. Can he pick it off? I mean, oh, it's, 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 oh. All right, let's stay in the NFL here. We'll have back-to-back weeks with games in London. Last weekend, of course, the Vikings squeaked by the Saints. And this weekend, the NFL will be making history in London when the Giants take on the Packers. Now, Sunday will be the 32nd NFL game ever played in London, and the very first time it'll feature two teams with a winning record. That's ridiculous. Buy or sell, the NFL has done a disservice by sending bad teams to play in London over the years. It's worked, though, hasn't it? Don't they sell those games? Don't those games do well? Keep chugging along. Full buildings, super excitement, yeah. do, adding it's games. It's like and- no matter what the NFL does, they just make money hand over fist. It's a good product. I'll sell that they made it, that they screwed it up. Sell. I'm also going to ask a question that I'm going to answer, and then you guys can argue with because you're not going to agree. Agree. Buy or sell that there should be a, a team in London. Buy. Buy. I want it. Sell. Largely because I want to cover it. Really, sell. But- you're going to move across America, across the Atlantic, yes. to London to cover an NFL team that lives there. If they went to London, I so I don't work at, at Fox Sports anymore, but when I did... I had a standing agreement with some the, if they got it. I didn't even cover the NFL, I'm like, but I have in the past. Like I will, I will move to London. They're like, okay, yeah, I love, I love London, man. I lived there when I was in college. Yeah, no, I thank say you. that it rains a lot, and I'm spoiled. I'm in Philly today, all put out that it's you know gray outside. Yeah, we've heard. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Self bogus <is> little <laughs> comment. So <laughs> that's true. Oh, I'm that guy. All right, let's get to some college football here. And let's flash back to five months ago in May when Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher got into a war of words. Now, the Alabama head coach started it when he said this. I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team. Made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. A&M bought every player, so you know that meant Jimbo had to stick up for his program. It's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous, but when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. I could listen to the two of them talk about each other all day long. Now the Narcissist. Two, now the two teams will, of course, play each other on Saturday Yet Texas A&M already has two losses. Yes, two losses on the season already. And, Bill, they're out of the top 25. My question to you, buy or sell this matchup has lost some luster because of A&M's poor play. Sell. I think Saban's going to try to win this by 60 points. I, I love it. This is the thing. You can call him a narcissist. You can... 
hint at the fact that Saban's brutal to his assistants. He wins. Jimbo doesn't. Every the year, end. Every single year, Saban is there. He never has a down year. He never has the disappointment three-loss, two-loss season. It never happens. Yeah. Sa- Saban's... He's the great... I mean, it's not even a question. He's the greatest college football coach of all time. And, and I, he's in the running for... Be- I know he failed in his, what, one season with the Dolphins, but he's in... He's in the top five greatest football coaches ever. He's that. He's incredible. Now, when this happened in May and we all had this Saturday's game circled on our calendar, would it have been better theater if this game came down to the last possession? Or is it just as entertaining if Saban and Alabama blow them out? I don't like Jimbo. It's a, I mean, buy a beatdown. I want, I want, I want humiliation. Buy. People really circle things on their calendar. I mean, I actually have a calendar hanging on my wall. My wife does. Do you actually, I mean, Bogus, have you ever physically in your lifetime circle something like calendar <laughs> not not looking ahead to a day of vengeance no it's a dumb expression it's just it's on, that's what the calendar's for alabama a&m you don't have to circle it you do you have to look circle it. it so it stands out you no, would you be don't. a calendar guy you would be a calendar guy we do have an old school calendar hanging on our refrigerator so do we what we don't do is circle things on it. Mm-hmm. What we do is we look at the day. De- oh, what's coming up on the 15th? Oh, look, there's a... I have to circle it. It's in a box with the number on it. It's already done for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was important enough for me to write it in the box. <laughs> That's all guys, I need. You guys say you're not mean to me on this show. That's no, what you guys say. We're being mean to Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher right now. Yeah, how are we mean to you? Cause, cause you because circle- you make fun of me that I said circle it on their calendar. I said the expression doesn't make sense. I like that you used it. I don't think you're being genuine when let's you say that. Let's make up some new exp- let's make up some new expressions, right? You know, I squared I squared it on my calendar. It was squared on my calendar. That makes more. It's square. There's a square. Well, we can try it. I don't think it's going to catch on. We can try. Okay. All right. I let- rename things at my house all the time. There's some stupid, what is it called, a papasan chair? I call it a foo-foo sitter. I don't know why. It just came out one day, and that's what I call it now. Well, what are either one of those I things? I don't know what either one of those things a are. A papasan chair? Where, yeah. like, it's a big circle. I don't have it anymore. I threw it away. A big circle, like a big circular chair, and then you have, like, a footrest. A papasan chair. Never I've See, that. it's stupid. Never foo-foo sitter. That. I've never heard that word before. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what's that, that thing that you... That, the thing where you put it in your kids' room and their babies, so you can hear them. I called it a listening device because whatever baby monitor, yeah, baby that's a monitor, dumbest, yeah, listening. It's a listening device in my house. I mean, it's a, a listening, listening device? device, but it's a baby but you monitor. Can, but you can also watch it. There's a screen, so it's more than just listening. I did. I'm not fancy like that. I didn't circle it on my calendar. I, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have that. I rename everything. If I think something's dumb, I just rename it. My wife makes fun of me for it. I'm scared to ask you, like, the things, like, household items, like, what you actually call Like, what do you call a TV remote? Yeah, remote control. That, that, that would make sense. Uh, I'm shocked by that. For, for, I'll try to get a list of them. Lori keeps trying. I don't even, like, I, I, I have to, my daughter, Madeline, will have friends in the house, and I'll, I'll say, like, where's the listening device? And they'll just be like, what did you say? Like, oh, yeah, no, we, we call it by the right name here in the writer house. That sounds so old-timey, like, from, like, the 1950s, the listening device. We're all going to huddle around the listening device. No, it sounds like you're in the CIA and you're running a <laughs> sting on your daughter. Yes, it's a listening device, but it's also a baby monitor. You don't call it a motor vehicle, right? You call it your but, car. But, but I've used the listening device when my kids were older than being babies. There came a point where, like, with Henry sleepwalking or whatever, that it's not a it's not a, just a baby monitor. It, it monitors anything that you want it to monitor. It's a listening device. 
doesn't stop working when the kid becomes one and a half. I don't even know what to do with that. Just go to the next question. I'm going to get to some hoops here. (laughs) It's that time of the year again. NBA.com's annual survey. All 30 NBA general managers in the league. Here's what the findings were. The Milwaukee Bucks are thought to be the favorites to win the championship, while the Mavericks' Luka Doncic received 48% of the votes to win his first MVP. Buy yourself that the Bucks and Luka Doncic should be the favorites for the championship and the MVP. Sell. Sell. I, I've got the Bucks winning the whole thing. I think that makes sense. I think Joel Embiid's going to win the MVP. I, I'm going to write about this. I have, a, I have a whole theory, and it boils down to this. I think voters are heavily influenced by the fear that they're going to look stupid, that they're going to embarrass themselves. Not all the voters, but a lot of them. And I think Embiid's criticism last year of voters for not voting for him, which was pretty pointed, I put him third, is going to result in if he has the exact same season, and Philly's a top three team, which I think they will be. Celtics drama could, could bring them down. Nets drama could bring them down. I think Embiid gets more benefit of the doubt than he sh- than he should. All right, French basketball star and projected number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft, Victor Webanyama, who oh by the way is seven foot five inches tall, had himself a night last night when he put up 37 points on the G League Ignite and Scoot Henderson, who oh by the way is expected to be the number two overall pick in next year's draft. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell that Webanyama's seven foot five frame makes you concerned about his NBA future. Sell. I think the guy's a stud. Sell. Is it Webanyama or Wabamya? It's Webanyama? We don't know yet. Nobody I, knows. I said Webanyama all morning. I did not Web-a-nyama. watch the game last night, so I don't know. I watched the highlights, um, and I didn't even take note. Let me ask you a question, Andrew. So this isn't a sound like I'm picking on Bogish, but it actually made me feel better because I, I think you are the best pronunciator of anyone I've heard. Every time, I know how to say Zion Williamson's name. I know what his name is, I should say. Every time I go on CBS Sports HQ, every time I say Williams, and then I get confused, and I say son on the end. And I heard you that it's yeah. it's a hard name to say. I I wrote it for some reason. I gave up on the O and the N. I just wrote yeah, Zion Williams, and I'm like, uh, there's definitely more letters That's on that son. name. Yeah, he's a whole son. Then I mind bleep myself, and I have to go look. I know it's William. It's it's a. I don't know why. It just Zion Williams kind of rolls off the tongue. I always so I'm on TV. I'm like Zion Williams, son. And then the host looks confused, like this guy's an idiot. And NBA then expert. Yeah, Tim Doyle, if he's not waving a hammer around, wearing some weird shirt, then he's sort of into it. And Coach Avery tries to like come like, yeah, yeah, Williamson, son. But, you know, it's just, it's awkward. The whole thing's awkward. Yeah. Okay. Listen, we should be able to talk and read for our jobs, but we can't. And can't. it is what it I is. I definitely can't. Man, I'm, you know, I'm going to figure that out. Circle that on my calendar. <laughs> Square it up. Square <laughs> it up. <laughs> All right, let's get to some baseball here. Nationals ace pitcher Steven Strasburg, son, has made <laughs> has made all of one That's start hilarious. this season due to yeah. various injuries, and he's made a combined eight starts over the last three seasons. Plus, yesterday, Nationals general manager Mike Rizzo said that Strasburg's status for next year is quote still a bit of a mystery. Buy or sell Steven Strasburg ever pitching again in the majors? 
I didn't hear a thing you said. I was laughing so hard at Strasburg's son. I don't know why that got me. Oh, that was for, sh- no. I don't really know what's happening. Um, what did you? I don't hear the words you said. I was laughing at Bogus's joke. Uh, I think, I think you should buy or sell based on not knowing what the question was. I heard the end. Buy or sell he'll ever pitch again? Is that the question? Yeah. Eight starts in the last three seasons. A number of injuries. That's not just one thing. <laughs> Strasburg's son. Why is that so funny? Oh, man. Um, I'll buy. I don't want to write a guy's career off. Bye. That's all I got. Though. I got no information clear. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll squeeze in one last one here. Okay. Astros ace and future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander made one final case for the AL Cy Young yesterday, throwing five hitless, not scoreless, hitless innings against the Phillies while striking out 10. Houston's bullpen lost the no-hit, no-hit bid in the ninth inning yesterday. Buy or sell Justin Verlander winning the AL Cy Young Award. I will buy it. I think that he will. Buy. I think that there's also a nostalgia effect. At, let me ask you guys a sort of related question. Buy or sell that a no-hitter with multiple pitchers is a full no-hitter? Buy. Buy. Ooh, I'm going yeah, to sell. We've done this before. Sell. I don't remember. Mm. It yeah. definitely doesn't feel as cool to me. Like, it's still a no-hitter. It's not as cool, though. But... On the flip side, it's multiple guys not giving up yeah, a hit. Yeah, I know. It's more impressive. Four pitchers instead of Is one. Wow. But, like, it's it's just not as cool. A combined no-hitter, it's not as cool. I, I mean, going nine innings, 27 batters without giving up a hit is amazing. Going six innings pretty cool, and then another guy comes in and he does one inning, another guy does another inning. I mean, you need to break it down. Like, okay, like, cool, but it's not one dude scaling that mountain by themselves. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick, of course I'd always pick the one guy to do it, but I don't think that the I don't think the drop off is that significant. Yeah, it, loses, it loses a lot for me. Sorry to hear that. I think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I <do>. Bye. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Bogus, are you a Stephen King fan? Um. I can't say that I am because I don't think I've really ever read one of his books. Oh man, they're they're amazing. I, so one of the things about being on the road is that I have nothing to do, so I consume all kinds of weird content. Esquire ranked all seventy-eight or whatever of his novels, and I went through the entire list, and I got to fifty-nine. And those books are good. Wait, uh, you've read fifty-nine of them? No, but I've read enough of his books that at fifty-nine, right, I had read that book and it was great. I probably have read. 20 of his books, maybe? Okay. I mean, there are, the thing about his books are they're addictive. I can't, I, I can't, um, I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop reading them. Um, all right, good talk. I really, I really, I really enjoyed that. Let's, uh, let's get into NFL MVP odds after we get a CBS Sports radio update from Andrew Bogerson. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. It's Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Diesel, you just reminded me of something I got wrong, right? I, I, I like to pride myself on, on stuff I got wrong. Um, Pete Prisco, by the way, today's his 50th birthday. My colleague at CBSSports.com, NFL Insider. We used to have him on the show a lot. Uh, he hasn't been on in a while. Maybe because we make fun of him sometimes. Uh, we made fun of his, his player rankings because he had Russell Wilson at 40. I think we were pretty merciless. And you know what it turns out? Turns out that dude was 100% right. Yeah, uh, I know this is radio, but I got both hands raised here. I couldn't have been more wrong on this one. I think I'm even the one who brought it up to you, and I circled it on Pete's power rankings, and I was dumbfounded, absolutely 
just stunned that he would have Wilson ranked that low. Pete was dead on. He 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 crushed it. He nailed it. He 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 saw it. It was a hard take to have. He you're right. He absolutely was all over it. Now I will say this: it's four games into being in a new offense and a new head coach. Who your head coach looks kind of lost, uh, if I put it nicely. There's a little time for this thing to turn around, but as of this moment right now, Prisco, absolutely accurate. All right, so we'll say this: so far, so good. Um, let me ask you a question. I had an argument with my buddy Reed Forgrave about this. So I'm in Philly today, right? And I'm out of here tomorrow. I'm kind of bouncing around. And my buddy Reed said, I, ha- I have to get a Philly uh, cheesesteak while I'm in town, right? I- and I'm like, ah, it's such a cl- I'm not going to do it. It's such a cliche. Is that a requirement? It feels very. It feels like going to New York and, and going to Times Square. I think you got to do it. And now I don't frequent Philly too much, but I know there's two there's two places to go. And okay. half half of Philly says this is the best cheesesteak and the other half says this. I wish I knew the names off the top of my head, but I know there's two famous spots to go. You you got to get a cheesesteak. Oh, I'm there. going to the place 3 blocks from my hotel. I I don't think it's one of the do you, you don't even know what the famous places are? No, I've been I've only been to one of them and it it was years ago. Can't think of what the name was. Okay, I've had a lot of Philly cheesesteaks in my life. Not in Philly. Were they were they life changing? Yeah, they're not authentic if it's not in Philly. Yeah, but I'm saying where the the, the cheesesteaks you had, the, the one that you went to, was it like, oh my god, this is the greatest cheesesteak I've ever, or was it just a cheesesteak? No, it was better. It was better than all the other ones that I've had. All right, is it is it Sonny's famous steaks? I'm just googling right now. Uh, I'm doing the same. Pat's is de- it's Pat's and Geno's. Pat's is one. You'll get 50% of Philadelphia tells you that's the best spot to go, and the other one is Geno's. I have no idea where they are in, in location to you, but you got to go to one of those. I'm look if Geno's is within walking distance of where I'm sitting right now. I'm gonna. It's not. It's two miles away. What's the other one? Pat's? Oh, two miles is not that far. I'm not going that far. Two miles. Pat's. Oh, maybe Pat's is next door. Wait, they're next to each other. Pats and Geno's are next to each other? Ooh. They're literally next to each other. Interesting. I'm not doing it, though. No? Two miles is not that far. To walk? You could, like, rent a bike, maybe. I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah? The old bike rental? The old bike rental move? All right. We're going to do, uh, what, what, do a little uh, MVP odds. I was going to let you play announcer guy. You have like two seconds. You, have, you basically have 30 seconds to do this segment. NFL MVP odds with Bill Ryder. That's pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed that way more than I thought I would. Sponsored by no one. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got for me? Uh, it's probably Josh Allen right now, right? Like, even, even without looking at the odds, I know he's the heavy favorite and it was before the season just because it's the Buffalo Bills. You know, we, we know how this thing works. The quarterback of the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl. That's how it yes. still is right now. He's the favorite to be NFL MVP, and it's probably right. I The sad, the sad part about this is Tua was going to get some recognition before the injury, and, like, that would have been probably the biggest leap of the odds. But with him, you know, going to miss uh, what's probably going to be at least a few games here, so he, he's going to drop out. I think Mahomes is a better bet than Allen because I still – the Chiefs are 3-1. and one, I still think that they're going to – be the best team in the AFC, and there's only one. Bu- the also the fact there's only one team that gets a buy now, I think, enhances the prestige of that team's quarterback. But I think the value is is, is Justin Herbert. 
if you think the Chargers are as good now as you thought three or four weeks ago, and if you think his rib injury is something he's going to be able to overcome in terms of dealing with the pain, he's been okay, not great, but he's 12-1. to 1. It's a long season. My thing is, if you don't think the Chiefs are going to run away with the division and maybe the top seed in the AFC, if you exclude Mahomes from the conversation, I think Herbert becomes really valuable if you think the Chargers can win the division. I don't, but at 12-1, to I think there's some value in that conversation. I already don't think they can win that division, and it's only four games in. I thought this division was going to come down to the last couple weeks. Like, who are we kidding? It's, this is the Chiefs to lose. Nobody's beaten them in that division. I love that Jalen Hurts was 40-1 to not that long ago and is now 5.5-1, to but the Eagles are 4-0. It's a great start. We've seen teams start 3-0, 4-0, and finish very basic. I don't think that's Philly. I do think their defense is legit. But Jalen Hurts is not an MVP caliber player yet. He's played really well. He is not, and I'm sitting in Philadelphia. Sorry, Philly. He's just not an MVP level guy quite yet. No, that's what happens when you're the quarterback of the only undefeated team in the NFL. Your odds get inflated. Maybe I should ask our our boss, uh, Spike Eskin, runs WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, is from Philadelphia. I don't really want to bother him with it, but... He would know whether it's dumb or not to go get a Philly cheesesteak in Philly. He would give you great advice on either going to Pat's or Geno's. That would be the guy to ask. I don't have a car. I'm not going to take an Uber. I'm telling you, bike rental. Steak. Bike rental. You know what? I may have some time tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll rock a cheesesteak for you before I head to another city. I really hope you take my advice on this. With the cheesesteak? Yeah, you got to do it. I just it's bread and meat. How can it taste? It's not like it's barbecue. Right. Don't downplay it. Don't I'm walking do it. two blocks to get a cheesesteak. I'm pretty excited. Uh, thank you to Alana Rizzo. Thank you to Andrew Bogish. Thank you to to, to, to D Cell. I'm Bill Ryder. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We'll see you back here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.